We're in the second hour of Japanic's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. It is September 25th, 2015. We are interviewing Danny Simonisi today. Now, um, if anybody wants to uh, call in and uh, ask Danny anything, um, give her a shout out, 973-655-4256. Now, Danny, um, thinking about past eras of print scenes, how plentiful do you see zine production nowadays? Um, I think that I feel like zines aren't um, an as-known kind of thing uh, as they were back then in terms of, I guess, popularity and like their dominance in like the alternative scene, but they definitely still have a presence, and I, I feel like you know um, they will fall into you know the right people's hands, and the right people's hands are the people who want to read them and, I guess, discover them. I think that zines definitely have their own kind of function today in society and that it would be really great if everybody could just keep making them and keep them going. Uh, what do, you, do you think like the purpose of making a zine nowadays is a lot different than before the internet was around? Um, I, I think it maybe. Uh, I think now zines might be like a little bit more of an escape from that uh, technology, I guess. They may have been back then, too, but I think we're, um, if your goal is to kind of like take a little escape from, um, I guess, the internet and that kind of transfer of inf- information, um, then I feel like it's where it's at right now uh, to kind of like have zines. I feel like it's more, it's more of a thing now to like get like actual physical information than it was then I think it was more like the spread of like political ideas back then and don't get me wrong there's some like amazing like feminist zines out there um a lot of different like awareness of social issues and things like that but um well I can only I guess speak for myself and say that it was kind of like an escape from technology which I found myself like I guess overusing and kind of like a way that wasn't really like healthy for me oh and uh let me show you this and open that up and tell me Ooh. what you find. Okay, we have a bright yellow color. Uh, slam, danger, coughs at work. Read it. I'm reading. Yeah, tell tell the title. Uh, the title of the zine is Slam. But I mean like that first article. Oh, that first article? Okay, Bloods and Crips, programmed to rebuild Los Angeles. Wow, this is like intense stuff already, you know? Yeah, I mean like... Looking at that, it's, like, crazy how, like, information such as that, that wouldn't appear in a normal news source at all. Exactly, yeah. And I think zines are um, very valuable for that as well. Um, You know, kind of bringing awareness to other things that are going on in the world, because the media definitely won't tell us everything. Um, There are, like, many sides to media, and each side will kind of, uh, kind of inevitably has some form of rhetoric and you kind of need to like either use mainstream media and try and d- dissect the truth from it which is a, a lot uh easier said than done i guess um so it's really great to have alternative sources of information now looking at that article on the bloods and crips program to rebuild la uh-huh. scan through that for a second but tell me what part of it captures your eye and what part do you feel like is most respectable in that passage it's so difficult you know just uh scanning through it to to pick something out um yeah i mean like i looked at that and i'm thinking 
this is insane that they have something like that in a scene. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, this is, like, really, uh, really crazy to, I guess, look at and take in. There's so much text. Um, I'm looking at uh, burned and abandoned structures right now. I'll just read a few sentences from that. Every burned and abandoned structure shall be gutted. The city will be... The city will purchase the property, if not already owned by the city, and build a community center. Uh, if the structure is on a corner lot or is a vacant lot, the city will build a career counseling center or a recreation area, respectively. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, they're talking about, like, really kind of, like, making the city better. Yeah. And, like, bringing people up, you know? Yeah, and um, I think it's, like, really interesting and, and cool that, like, all of this is being put out there. I believe um, that's not an exclusive, though. I believe that was going around in a number of different things back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure that didn't actually happen. I remember just thinking about that. That was talking yeah. about, like, the L.A. riots, like, right after um, the things happened with Rodney King. Yeah. L.A. is a wild place. Oh, definitely. I've never been there. Uh, uh, maybe someday. But um, how, how old is this scene? What's the date on it? Oh, 1992. Wow. Yeah. So you can tell that was fresh around the mm -hmm. riots. It's in such great condition, too, you know? There's, like, maybe, like, one fold in the center, and, and like, that's it. This is gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, just some of these zines, like, you can tell the amount of, like, caring and respect that went into just the way somebody collected them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, um, like any... Uh, collection i think people really try to keep their stuff in good condition you know and it's good to do that yeah i mean it's just like if you have something you care about you, it'll show obviously what things you treasure the most mm -hmm. now um i guess is there a particular geographical area that you're interested in the most or you feel like you have the most success with hmm. um i'll answer the first one and then the second one I forget what order they were in, but I'll answer them both. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I didn't really target a geographical area because I didn't really know who would take to it, um, honestly, because I feel like it was just kind of like a shot in the dark. You put this out there, and whoever catches it catches it. But um, I think that uh, the most success that I've actually had has been like, um, or actually the most reachable part was like right around me, actually, was... Um, uh, in my college, like, I'd give it out to people, and people would really catch on to it and be like, wow, this is really awesome. When's the next issue coming out? Can I subscribe? And it was really nice to have that kind of um, support from people, I guess, right in my hometown and my college community. And uh, I think uh, the other thing is that uh, some people on the West Coast are also catching on to it, which is really awesome. And uh, I hope to make it out there uh, someday to either play some shows or, like, trade some zines, you know? And uh, there are a lot of, actually, um, art residences there, too, and I think that they would be a really cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. Um, just making a good connection out on the West Coast or wherever you want to hit up, mm -hmm. that's pretty much how you're going to be able to make the trip happen for yourself. Yeah. And William Shatner was right. Use Priceline, because it's just so cheap. <laughs> yeah. You do everything for yourself with the zine, correct? Oh, yeah. It's so much work. Um, 
it's so much work. <laughs> you know, it's when it comes down to it, because like I have trouble being organized sometimes, so that's especially a challenge. Um, so I think it comes down to just like making lists of stuff that you need to do. Um, basically, the zine is free, and that takes like a lot of money to do that. Um, but I'm I'm thinking of setting up like a system where I have an Indiegogo and stuff, because kind of like the goal of it was to be able to provide, you know, like, some kind of, like, a free art or, like, something really cool that maybe people can hold in their hand, like, something of, um, like, a physical form of media, I guess. Um, even if, you know, people can't, like, afford a subscription or something like that, so. But, I mean, isn't it, like, a lot easier just, like, selling these in one shop? Because, like, you're up to about three zines right now under your belt, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start making your zine? Um, I believe it was last September that the actual putting together and stuff began. Or the first drawings began, really. Um, I remember that Gerard Way, ex-singer ex of MCR, had put out, like, a zine. And, um, I really liked some of the poetry in there and stuff, and I was kind of inspired by that, too. Um, and, like, a new album was coming out, so I figured that I'd make a zine. And I shared it with some people at, like, a concert and stuff, and they really dug it, too. So, um, that's kind of when it started. Um, a lot of things, I think, like, the second one was released kind of, like, over the holidays? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. It might have been December or January or February. And then, um, I also have a third one, which, uh, kind of came out, like, almost, like, in the early spring, maybe late winter. Yeah, I mean, like, for you, like, with your release schedule, isn't it just a lot easier just to sell these things in one shot and not, like, put on the burden of yourself with a subscription just because, like... Um, yeah, it would be easier to sell them, but I don't think that that's uh, why I made them, you know? Because, mm -hmm. like, I want to try and keep it as pure and, like, uh, free from, you know, like, I guess, profit as possible. And I think that's um, my only reason for making these was to just share something with somebody and I think that if I can do that um if I can do that uh getting like help from other people or doing as much of it as I can um by myself I guess then I guess that's the way I'll do it I see um just the thing is though with zines like how big of a um a number was uh, issue two. How big of a number? Like, how many people subscribed during that? Or, I mean, like, like, how many issues did you make? Like, in, in total? Yeah. Um, For that ooh. particular issue. I honestly have no clue because it's like a, a supply and demand kind of thing. I'd have to... It's kind of, like, impossible to know how many subscribers I specifically had at that point because the way I do it is I write everything down in a notebook, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I tr always transcribe from the Internet so that if something goes wrong or, like, a site gets bugged, um, I always have the information. But right now I think I'm around maybe 40 subscribers, which is, like, way more than I ever imagine this getting to in only like I guess three issues and um now I guess I'm I kind of have to do some preparation to uh put out the fourth one which is kind of why it's been taking so long <laughs> yeah I mean that's insane though that you're up to like four issues in about a little less than two years yeah um I think it's because like they're not like super you know like complex I guess they're a very collage like very like 
scrappy uh, style. Like I see some of the ones that you have collected here are really, really great. And they're like, you know, maybe like 10 full eight by 11, you know, pages long, but it was still like, um, some people said the same thing, I guess, to me, because uh, I participated in this really cool like feminist art uh, festival called Venus Fest, and um, it took place in Newark at an art gallery. And it was really awesome. I was actually sitting right next to um, the publisher of Purple Pony, Purple Pony Zine, which was a pretty cool thing. It was meant to empower people and um, give them like a safe space to share their art and stuff. And... Uh, so we got to talking, and, like, she was really cool. She was really nice. And I was, like, honored, like, um, sitting next to a person whose zine has, like, more of a history and a following, you know? Yeah. It, it was, like, it was like intimidating, but she was super sweet. Yeah, I mean, um, just, it's, it's just crazy that um, when, I guess, you meet somebody that's, like a hero of yours, just like I, I look at some of the guys in like head split mm -hmm. with a lot of high respect for what they're able to do. Right. And um, it's just when you're able to start creating like a worldwide following, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, how far is this going to go? Yeah. And, and that's a question I guess I ask myself sometimes is like, what's the future for this? What's the future for my music? And there's like no way to really know you just kind of try your best and and give it a shot and do what you can and but that is really amazing you know like when somebody is such like an influence on you and you meet them in person and they've done all this amazing stuff and you have this vision that you've created of them in your head but at the same time they're just like a living breathing like being just like you and they wake up and eat cereal every day <laughs> and do all the same stuff that you normally do but they produce all this amazing work it's so it's kind of like a a conflict between the two Definitely. Now, um, do you want to talk a little bit more about the Bikini Kill uh, story? Ah, oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I actually got to meet Kathleen Hanna after after she spoke, uh, which was an amazing, like, surreal experience. Like, she gave me a big hug, and she was super bubbly, and she was like, oh, my God, you do music? Can I find it online? And I was like, uh, yeah. And I, I pointed her to, like, an album I did uh, when I was really young. And it was really awesome, like, meeting her and everything. It was so surreal. She was so sweet and bubbly and just, like, really encouraging. And, like, I guess, like, she has that sense of, I guess, just being empowering. Just, like, talking to her mm -hmm. makes you, like, feel really good about, like, the people in the room and yourself and everything that's going on around you. And um, I actually had mailed her a copy of Machinery of the Human Heart, and she actually wrote me back, which was just, like, mind-blowing. And she actually wrote it on a piece of, like, pink paper and, like, red marker. And it, said, and it said, like, hey, Danny, I really loved your zine. It's different from a lot of things that I've found so far. And keep doing your thing. And you should form a band with, uh, you know, the kids you mentioned in your pop rock class, which was a class I was taking at the time. And so I was so excited. Like, I still have that note hanging up in my office. Wow. Did you frame it? Um, I actually did not frame it. I actually don't have a frame in my house. I should probably get one because that is like a piece of art. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's itself. just like you want to preserve that too. I mean, just... Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, like paper like that, it's very fragile. So you definitely want to like preserve that for the years, you know? Yeah. I now, on like that it. note, um, what do you think would be a good song to like express like this moment right now? 
let's see. What else did I put on the playlist? Uh, there's think... Alien Days MG... MGMT? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Oh, my God, I love it. It's so trippy and great. <laughs> okay, here we go.
Okay, now we're back, and uh, Danny was just showing me a very, very colorful version of her scene. Um, like, how much time did it take you to put in all, like, the different colors and things like that in there? Just because it's so different taking a look at that from, like, the black and white issue to, like, full color, where it's, like, almost like an Alice in Wonderland assortment of colors. Oh, definitely, yeah. And it's kind of funny because I actually wasn't thinking about color that much when I was putting it together because I knew that when I copied it, it would be black and white. So that was my intention. So I didn't worry about color. And, like, as a result, it definitely turned into a more vibrant, like, gaudy um, kind of look, which was kind of interesting. Um, I think it might be really cool to release it in color sometime, you know, as, like limited edition thing like we were talking about. Um, I think it's really cool to see the colors, especially in the drawings right after the, mi the mixtape segment of it. We have like a bunch of drawings and stuff that I did of monsters and you can't really see like the full detail of them because it's in black and white, you know, and it's high contrast. Wow, awesome. Now, uh, I guess thinking about that, when would you imagine maybe like a five issue pressing of like a full color issue is going to come about oh my gosh i feel like that's so far in the future and like i can't really think about that i guess right now but um for this one specifically i can't really have a date so far because um the way it's kind of working now i'm, I'm working around my college schedule and i'm working around the various things that pop up in my life whether that's music things or like oh hey do you want to be on this uh, compilation or um so i think that like a full color version i don't really know you know whenever i guess i, I come up with the money to do that too you know it, it, that takes a lot because um that's a lot of pages that's a, a lot of color that's a lot of ink yeah and like would you be doing like like tell me the process when you actually make another zine like, just reproducing one issue. Right. Um, just, like, say, like, do you mean, like, if I run out of one, I need to make more copies? Exactly. Right. Um, so I try, like, I bring um, a copy from the original pressing. I bring it to the copy shop, and because I worked in a copy shop, I kind of know how to manipulate the contrast and, and brightness and things like that. Um, so I try and get it as close to the original as, as possible. Um, I should probably actually save the settings and write them down. That would actually be really smart. Um, but I basically do that, and it, sometimes it takes a few tries for everything to get lined up right, and sometimes words get cut off and stuff. Um, so it, it, it takes, like, a few, like, I guess, screw-ups to get, like, a nice um, version that's the right balance and the right contrast and uh, doesn't cut anything off. Now, I guess... What type of information, artwork, or content is exclusive to make your zine one of the leading sources of that information? Right. Um, I never really intended Machinery of the Human Heart to be a source of information. I just intended it to kind of be like a, a, a collage kind of thing, It's I, which I suppose is a different kind mm -hmm. of information. Um, I intended it to be like a source of fun and, I guess, wackiness. Um, and honestly, there's just some information on there about like maybe some stuff that I'm doing, maybe some phrases that give some that give like uh, people something to meditate on or think on or whatever. Um, 
or that can be approached from a bunch of different ways. Uh, and they're also just like clippings of things from, I guess, everyday life and organizing them in a way that's kind of, I guess, different than the way that we do see them in everyday life. Like, um, which I think is what's unique and like really fun about this. Uh, if you take a look at like, it's on one of the last few pages um, that you see a bunch of organ buttons, which is I think one of my favorite parts of the zine. And um, you see like, you know, the flute buttons at the top because we actually have this organ at our house that uh, I think my parents' friends uh, moved to like the Czech Republic or something. And they gave us their this really amazing and like mint condition organ from the 70s. Uh, and that's, um, that's where I got these pictures from, is I took pictures of them, I printed them out, I kind of drew on them and, and, <laughs> and like arranged them in funny ways. Like if you see like the harmonic control label, which is supposed to be, you know, like a, a, a dial on the organ, I X'd it out. Um, so no harmonic control. Nah, we want dissonance, anarchy. So like I did some like word play kind of things, uh, <laughs> and I really had fun. And if you look um, at the bottom, I kind of put in a SpongeBob reference. You see clarinet, accordion, <laughs> saxophone, trombone, and then at the very edge is mayonnaise. So. Wow. Yeah, I, I really had fun doing that. Like I look at the back and it's like pretty crazy humor. It's like the Chihuahua is watching you while you sleep. Um, it's just really like absurd stuff and I think some of that comes from uh, the reason why I started drawing or one of the reasons why I started drawing was um, was definitely <sighs> Invader Zim and like I, I feel like uh, I think the way it started was in middle school I was sick home with the flu and it was really nasty and it was for like four days and so um, I looked up like different cartoons and things because I was really bored and I came across Invader Zim which scared me as a child but I appreciate it now because <gasps> it's basically like a, a satire on humanity and it's kind of like dark and hilarious. Um, so I took some of the like absurdist uh, I guess humor from Gur and stuff and uh, I think some of that translates to my sense of humor today. A little bit of it. <laughs> so I think the Chihuahua is watching you while you sleep. It's kind of like one of the things. I think it was also part of, like, because I stayed up really late doing these things, and when you get really tired, uh, you write really weird things. I was just thinking, like, wow, you must be a fan of Ren and Stimpy. There's no way you're not. <laughs> I feel like I've never actually watched it. But oh, my like, God, like, you have to. Ah, oh man, like, yeah, everybody's been telling me, and I know that uh, I feel like, I think my dad said that he really liked that show and stuff, and I feel like... Uh, who's the one that kind of looks like a... Is it a rabbit? With, like, the bulging eyeballs? No, that's Stimpy. That's Stimpy? I think, like... Because we had a doll of him, and it was terrifying. No, no, <laughs> it's like, Ren is an asthma hound chihuahua. Oh, okay. And a chihuahua? Okay, yeah. I got it wrong. I thought it was a rabbit. <laughs> and Stimpy is, like, a morbidly obese cat or something. Oh, gosh. I feel like I've... You know what? I've seen one episode of this, I think, and it was like the Christmas special one. Yeah, just where, like, I can't believe like they used to show that to like little kids. Like, if you look at that <laughs> as an adult and you're thinking, how how is this marketed to children? This is so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of strange. Um, but if you look at some of the stuff, even from like 
even from like my childhood was kind of messed up too like if you look at courage the cowardly dog yeah definitely um, i used to be babysat actually by um by this woman who lived across the street um, from me because my parents had to leave early for work because they're both teachers and I would sit there in front of the TV watching Courage the Cowardly Dog and I, it was like fascinating but also scary and like I was curious so I couldn't pry my eyes away but like like I remember walking away and going to school and being like wow that was like horrific and amazing <sighs> and horrific you know but um, I think that was a cool show at the same time like rewatching it now like I love it. <laughs> Do you feel or, like, worry nowadays with this generation there's not enough imagination in the cartoons? Oh, oh definitely. I don't think that's the case at all. I um, There's Steven Universe, which is freaking awesome. Um, I also really like... What's the one? I, I really liked Adventure Time uh, for a while. I kept up with it until, you know, the characters, the Lemon Grabs, came in. And they're my favorite characters because they're so screechy and weird. Um... Let's see, another cartoon that I love right now that just won, like, four Emmys is uh, Over the Garden Wall, which is probably one of the best cartoons I've ever watched. Um, it has a beautiful uh, plot line, beautiful characters, beautiful music. Gosh, I, I've never seen such, um, or heard such beautiful, uh, I guess, complex, um, I guess, instrumentally rich music, you know, made for, like, a modern day, I guess, cartoon. Like, a lot of things are electronic, um, which is also cool. But Over the Garden Wall is one of my favorites. And if you're, if you kind of like the aesthetic of machinery of the human heart, you'd probably like Over the Garden Wall. I, I discovered it like a few weeks ago, and I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, like, just when I think back on being a little kid, I remember Bucky O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Like, this was about, like, this green rabbit in outer space that fought evil toads. Hey, I'd watch that. What's yeah. this called again? Bucky O'Hare. Hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like I had a bunch of rabbits when I grew up, and it's just like, let me tell you something about rabbits. People, like, joke about this, and they're not serious, <laughs> but seriously, rabbits really breed like rabbits. They do. <laughs> no, because it's like you take one rabbit, then you take another rabbit, then you got, like... Maybe six rabbits, and then like, if you like, you're really not on your game. You end up with like 17 of them. So it's just like you you gotta be on your game when you have rabbits. True, true. Th- this is why I only had one rabbit. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. <laughs> but um, I ended up like once like winning like uh I think a couple of trophies once, best of breed for a mini lop. I had like this gigantically huge French lop rabbit, or it's like oh, a 15 the- or 20 pound rabbit, and it's just like those things are. <laughs> Like, bigger than really small dogs. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's terrifying. I didn't know that rabbits grew to be that big. But Well, I mean, there's <laughs> there's two or three breeds that are really huge. There's Flemish Giants, there's something or others, and then there's the f- French Lops. Uh-huh. The French Lops are, I believe, the, the third biggest, but, I mean, they're really, really huge. Wow. That's pretty awesome. I feel like... Um, that could be like the next like Godzilla is like a giant rabbit taking over. Yeah, th- that have to be like Japanese made though, because like nobody would come up with that besides like a Japanese person, just for like the cuteness value and all that. <laughs> but um, I guess just continuing on, like explain like your choice of like fonts, design, paper dimensions, creative choices, and like the printing press that you use. Um. Uh, okay, wow, okay, so, 
I really just went with my intuition and what kind of attracted my eye, I guess. What seemed natural if I was going to have a vampire on the cover would to be would be to have this creepy, like, weird, campy, retro font, I guess, uh, for the title. And I really liked how I, I played around with the formatting of the words and how I'd lay them out, but I figured that this would have the most impact, you know. Um, and I guess uh, I wanted to have something different than just, like, a big two on the front. So um, I, I got some pictures of, like, telephones, printed them out, and uh, decided to use those instead. And... Uh, What's interesting is that, you know, the design changes um, slightly based on the content. Like, for example, the third issue tends to be really futuristic. Uh, kind of like Blade Runner-ish? Uh, maybe. Uh, like, it's futuristic and scrappy in its own right, so it's not as clean cut. Um, More like Futurama? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit like that. And there's like a UFO on the front. And for the numbers, for the number for that zine, um, I made like three like uh, strangely like arranged triangles for three as to kind of like imply an alien language. I see. Yeah. Like, are, what do you think? Um, Are you coming up with any ideas for the fifth issue, or is it just like that's so far into the future you don't even want to like go there yet? The fifth issue, not yet, but I do have like um, a, a rough copy of the fourth one here with me um, that I'm that uh, kind of shows the planning out process. And I had a lot of friend doing or a lot of fun doing this. And uh, sorry, that was a Freudian slip because actually I was going to talk about this thing called a glasses friend that I made for the fourth issue, which is going to be basically like a cutout. This is the one thing I guess I'll give away. Um, that's like basically like this cutout creature that you can like hang on your glasses. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's like a really creepy kind of thing and I thought it was funny and I liked it, so I put it in. And uh, I also have a playlist in which, I, I believe this is how you found me, um, that uh, I posted in like a DIY group on Facebook. Yeah, it must have been like New Jersey something or yeah, other. Yeah, NJDIY maybe. And uh, I, I posted that I was looking to put together a playlist for the fourth issue um, and that anything with, like, a creepy or, like, strange, like, oddball kind of vibe to kind of submit uh, and, like, um, post their music in the comments. And so I reviewed all of it and I picked a bunch to create a playlist for. And that's one thing that has been consistent in the zines has been, like, a playlist. And I also – I'm also um, introducing – in this zine, some characters that I came up with but never really did anything with until now. And I'm kind of developing their designs a little bit more, and it's kind of showing the, the concepts for them. Wow. Yeah. Now, I guess, what type of major accomplishments have you seen happen for your zine as well as some of the more noteworthy sales you've made? Right. Besides, like, I guess maybe hitting up japan and stuff like that yeah that was that was amazing like i was like running around in circles like waving my arms because that was so cool yeah I, I never expected it to reach that far i expected maybe some of my friends to want some and some of my friends friends but i never really expected people to catch on so that was amazing i think to reach all the way to a different country um and i hope that that i guess continues with the upcoming issues because um, I feel like the zine is definitely a form of, like, you know, a human connection. Um, so I think one of the other cool things um, about 
the zine, I think, is not so much in, like, accomplishments about, you know, uh, how much publicity it's getting or things like that. Um, I think it's more about, you know, people's reactions to it. Because when people say that they can relate to something or they really connect with, like, a, a... poem you wrote in there or they really liked um the style or like it inspired them or something I feel like really like like happy and like wow did I do that (laughs) and I guess those were like really like rewarding and happy moments so that like it's kind of um I think I wrote in the second issue like something like sometimes you reach out into the void not knowing what you want and um sometimes you kind of um you make human connections there and uh, people really get something out of it when, when you kind of, like, least expect it. On that note, let's uh, play a track from Silverbird. Here is Sky. Sounds good. This is from Pure Land. And remember, people, tomorrow night, September 26th at Webster Hall, Silverbird has their release party show. Hit it up.
Anyways, uh, that was uh, Sky from Silverbird. Um, I remember uh, meeting the singer, Tim, at uh, this concert back in Warwick, New York, back in, I think, summer 2008. And mm -hmm. it was crazy just because, like, I uh, started blogging. And I had this blog called Good Music That Hurts Your Eardrums. Right, yeah. And turned that into a zine. And uh, I remember taking that zine to L.A. and distributing it, I believe, at the Knitting Factory. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how many copies even still exist. I have two m of myself. And um, I believe it was like a 15-issue release. I believe I gave one to some L.A. Uh, metal record person. Um, I think mm -hmm. from Nuclear Blast. And um, it was just crazy. And then... I remember having Tim on my show a good number of times over the years. Then last year, doing uh, a story for him that ended up in the Aquarian Weekly. But it was actually crazy because, like, it took about six or eight months after when we originally did the interview mm -hmm. to actually get it published. Just yeah. because the release party show, it, it was meant to promote the release party show. And I was just saving this really amazing interview. Mm -hmm. to promote like Tim's uh release party show for uh his debut album and yeah. now it's crazy cuz he's like i believe there's uh all sorts of publications or stuff out there on the internet there's i believe a noisy article about him and uh it, it's just crazy to see Tim uh getting such high success so yeah that's thumbs really up cool. to you Tim and um just like with you like are you thinking like do you have any friends that like are zine publishers themselves um actually uh i do not um i know of people who are very like art interested in things like that um but it's from different mediums you know um, my friends are more like, one of my friends is like a photographer, a lot of my friends are musicians or songwriters, but um, nobody like else in my, fr in my friend circle has quite touched on the, on the zine thing yet, um, which is really, really cool and like, it's kind of fun to bring um, like a, a new medium, I guess, you know, everybody kind of has their own thing. Um, but that would be actually really awesome to make some more friends in the zine circle, and I think as I get less um, shy, <laughs> I think that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, um, I know out in Allentown, PA, there's this guy, Paul. I believe he's from Venezuela. Mm -hmm. He does uh, this thing called Soul Grinder Zine. And I'm waiting on an article to get published in there. Right. And um, probably we'll have uh, Paul on my show whenever he gets back from Venezuela. Oh, sweet. Because I think he's following some festival down there or kind of promoting it actually so um he's down he's doing his personal business down there right and um beyond that i mean you've got i mean the the zine crew out there that i know of um i believe i think somebody from rutgers was doing a zine oh, cool. but i mean there, there's very few faces out there that are doing zines nowadays so it's kind of like it's yeah. pretty easy to figure out who's doing a zine and where because it's just like if you're doing a zine, you absolutely have to talk about it. You have to promote it on Facebook, Twitter, um, whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, 
it'd be cool to like have like a network of people involved in that just because like you could really come up with some great quality publications because i i mean oh, nowadays everybody's all about like the blog and all that but i mean it's yeah. just like i mean i can understand that too though you know like i feel like i have um a lot of respect for that as well um i feel like you know everybody has their own kind of thing um sometimes like i mean my preference is to print everything out and have physical copies but you know if somebody's way of of portraying what they want to to the world is is through blogs and by all means go for it i think that's awesome, you know, and I feel like, you know, not everybody has uh, maybe the same goals when it comes to zines because I know that, you know, some people um, do it as like as like a really like that's like what their, you know, lives are centered around. Um, and then there's me who puts uh, um, some issues out maybe every few months. And then there are people who also like publish them anonymously on the Internet. So. It's um, a, a whole scope of intentions, you know, that come into zine making. Yo, check out this zine. Tell me Ooh. that's not extreme. Ah, beautiful. Red, white, and black. Cool colors. Love Now, them. what's the name of that? No Sleep, the Cutting Edge magazine. It has a really awesome, like, cool, grimy skeleton on the front. Now it's dark and you can't sleep are, like, the f foreboding words on the front. It's very cool. So it's some reviews here, and I, I, I uh, see some some band posters and things as well. And this is really cool stuff. Let's see when the release date was on this. Oh, so this is their kickoff issue. This is the first one. Yeah. Man, I, um, I'd love to see how this one evolved, too. And there's some really awesome photography from different bands. I mean, just so many of those old zines, it's like... A good amount of them I have uh, issue one, but I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's kind of like when you collect stuff that old, um, mm. good luck trying to find stuff in order because you're not, you, you got to pick and choose yeah, whatever. And you probably want to end up getting a couple. If there's a possibility to get a couple of a scene, you might as well just so you have trading material. Definitely. So, you know, like... It, it's so uh, different when it comes to zines because it's not like a commercial bookstore or it's not even like a, a I, I guess it's more of a thing where you know you find different issues in different places because it's more of like a trade based kind of thing a lot of times and um, especially with the older ones um, some issues are, are more rare than others and you're bound to fi find like more of one issue than another and if you come across one of the more rare and sought after ones then you're really lucky and you were in the right place at the right time, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just like some things, it's like they were meant to happen. Oh, totally. That just like a certain connection or interaction with somebody that was just meant to be, you know? Yeah, like I totally feel that. I I, I love the spontaneity, I think, of that, um, behind that notion, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, I guess... Um, just the way, like, you'll click with, like, a friend, like, mm -hmm. a new friend, and it'll just be like, wow, you know, this is this is such an amazingly positive interaction. Um, yeah. It was, just, it was just meant to be, you know? Yeah, that actually, like, happened to me today. Like, like I was having, like, a really stressful day. I had so much work to do. And um, then, like, I, I sat down with, like, someone, like, I hadn't really talked too much, and... He told me about all these other artists he liked and things, and we actually 
uh, had, like, really good conversations about, like, science and, like, he started talking about how he wanted to become an astrophysicist, and it's really cool. I mean, like, I feel like when you talk to other people, you know, there's so much to learn from, like, another person because everybody has different experiences. Definitely. Now, um, what's another zine that you're going to pick up that, like, you really, you're just drawn to it for some reason? Ooh, Okay. Let's see. Um, there's this really cool one that I was drawn to, actually for specific reasons, called Every Slash Body. That um, it's, it's like, you know, like punctuation slash body um, that I found on the Internet as well. And it was actually like this really cool zine about um, gender and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like people kind of like discovering who they are and trying on different clothes and different ways of expressing themselves, which is really awesome. And um whether or not, like, you're, like, questioning that stuff, like, I feel like that's really relevant to a lot of people because everybody's trying to find their way in the world, try to find their style and what suits them, you know, the best. And uh, it had some really great comic art, and, like, um, it wasn't really constructed into, you know, grids or panels the way that a lot of comic books are. Um, things kind of flowed from one image to another, kind of separated by words, like, very carefully. Um and it was very artfully done, and I really want to pick up a copy because artwork is beautiful, and um, they deal with, like, the subject matters and stuff very well. Now, taking a look at that, like, I mean, you can tell, like, when you look at certain zines, mm -hmm. like, if somebody's been in the zine game for some time. Yeah. Like, would you say the people behind that zine, they're experienced uh, zine writers? Um, well, honestly, Or does it look at, like something that, like, a very early zine writer would have done? Right, um... I mean, I don't think so. It looks very, very professionally, you know, done. Um, but I guess um, you can't always, like, I feel like you can't always tell because mm -hmm. um, people will have different, you know, formats and things and the way things come together. You know, sometimes things, somebody could be, like, in the game for a really long time and make something that looks um, intentionally, like, collaged and, like, you can see the tape and stuff and, like, or... Um, yeah, it really depends on what aesthetic you're going for. I see. Now, like, um, where is that zine from? That zine from? I actually have no idea. I, like, just found it today. Now, and they, I, they have a physical copy, right? I believe so. Um, and there's a website where you can buy it, too. I, I just don't remember the name. I have it bookmarked and everything because I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just... If I order, like, a zine, I feel like y you shouldn't just order one. It's just, like, you should order, like, a couple. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe there are multiple issues, and if there aren't, I'll be really sad. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, um, it's wild, though, if you're able to come up with, like, a nice collection of, like, 20 or 30 copies of something, and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, like you hit the jackpot there, but that that doesn't come around all that often at all. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, you were telling me sometimes like the way it works is, you know, somebody will offer you like a really good deal on like a bunch of zines um, that you never expected. And yeah. that's really awesome. And they're they happen to be ones that you're interested in. But um, I think that I'd definitely be interested, I guess, in building my zine collection, because I think that, you know, I have a lot to learn and I can learn that from looking at other people's artwork and, you know, appreciating it. Now, why don't we go back and take a look at some early head splits uh -huh. 
right after this news break. Now, I want you to read Profit from the Pontiff. Street vendors capitalize on the Pope's visit. Oh, wow. Okay. Come here and read. <laughs> 